When people think of the future, when people think of the future, they think technology. Tech, tech, tech. Take a drive through town. What do you see? You don't see tech, do you? This is the On Grade Podcast. This show is about construction and the people who make it happen. Whether you want to start your own business, grow your business, or learn more about construction, we'll have on the pros. From business owners to industry leaders, you'll hear about new equipment, building a company, and growing your business, and how the construction industry is changing. Let's do it. This is the On Grade Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Brandon Weinline and Devin Boudreaux. Hey, everybody. Welcome to On Grade. This is episode 16. I'm your host, Brandon Weinline. I got my co-host, Devin Boudreaux, in studio. What's going on, guys? And we got a special guest tonight. He is the man of the hour. He runs the Construction Veteran Podcast. His name is Scott Friend. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I'm glad we could finally work this out. Hey, man, it's all good. Good things come to those who wait, man. Yes, sir. So, Scott, uh, give us your intro, man. Oh, boy. How much time do we have again? We got a while. So, <laughs> Yeah, so real quick, like you said, I just recently started my podcast, The Construction Veteran, which is focused on guys like us that are military vets in the industry, and it's not really specific to one job, one type of company, but it's all across the board. Grew up in Kentucky, so I'm not a Texan. Been here about going on nine years or so. Love it here. I live just south of Dallas. And I'm a superintendent for a commercial GC. We're nationwide. Love it, man. I got wife, three kids, three daughters, so I'm tired a lot. But yeah, we focus, so as a firm, we focus on a lot of high-end interiors, class A spaces. But I've also worked in healthcare, some federal work. And uh, did seven years active duty in the Navy. I was a CB. And for people that don't know what that is, that's a construction battalion. Then got out and got into this. Did a little bit of time in the reserves in the chaplain corps. And actually, I, I resigned my commission last year. About this time last year, actually. So, yeah, that's why I'm able to grow the hair out. You like that? It's pretty. <laughs> I will say there's one thing, one officer I love more than anything. That's a Mustang. Yeah, there you there, go, there man. too many of them, but yeah. the ones there are, they're always awesome dudes. It opens up this door that other officers that never spent time on the enlisted side that we get to see the, we, we understand what the guys go through. Yeah. And for the viewers, a Mustang is someone that served prior service before they went officer side, whether they went through OCS, ROTC, went to West Point or Annapolis, whatever. They went through the enlisted side of the military first, so they went in right out of high school or whatever, went to college, either in service or after they got out, and then came back into the military as an officer. Yep. And so as an enlisted man, and Devin can attest to this too, when you have an officer that's done your job, not just read about it in a book, yep. you tend to have a little <laughs> more respect for that guy. It's it goes like a long a, way. Oh, absolutely. It's Because you know they've been there. I liken it in our industry to, you know, the PM that spent a little time in the field first. So yeah. let's start with the beginning of your career in construction. I know you were a CB in the Navy, so that's yep. really where it started for you. Yeah. So what do you want to know? Where do you want, how, how deep do you want me to dive into this? Dude, I don't <laughs> care. You, you want to tell us, man, where, how'd you get into being a CB? What, what was the decision? That's a good that? question. Yeah. So, cause I, my entire time in, I actually wasn't a CB the whole time. So my first two years in I was a combat support air crewman and flew on 53s, the MH-53 Echo helicopter. Awesome, just beast. I mean, I know you guys being earthwork guys, you love equipment. This thing was like awesome, just massive. 
and we were the only squadron in the Navy that did the missions that we did. So we did combat sport, so hot insertion extraction, a lot of training, but never got to deploy with that unit. And before we were going to start our workup, we got decommissioned because the Marine Corps had the exact same mission set and the same birds. And so I said, man, I really don't want to go to one of the other squadrons. They do, uh, they towed for mines and, you know, no disrespect to those guys. It's a great job. It's just not something I wanted to do. So I sat down with what we called the detailer, kind of like a career counselor and saw what I qualified for still based off my ASVAB scores and all that and my performance. And a CB was on there and he said, man, they, they really need people bad. I said, what is a CB? I have no idea because it's not really something, and I think even to this day, something that they publicize a lot, that that's an option. But for those people that don't know, that's the construction force within the Navy. And each branch has their own engineering force of some type. So I chose to be a builder. I thought it'd be good. And I was trying to look forward to thinking, hey, man, this is probably something I could use when I get out, which, you know, obviously it worked out for me, but I had a great time. I told him I just want to shoot guns and go fast still. And and I thought, hey, I can get a trade out of this. This is awesome. I had two deployments, really great experience. And I continued that. So I, I got stationed in D.C. after our Afghanistan deployment. And I knew I wanted to get out. And a friend of mine at the time suggested LinkedIn, which, you know, everybody's on LinkedIn now. I, don't quote me, man. I, I think it started in like 08, but this is 2011. I was about to get out. And uh, at the time, it like a lot of networking events is really what it was for. And I just started networking with people within the industry, had no really idea about the commercial side of our industry and, and met a guy who took a chance on me. He was the chief estimator at the company I was at up in DC, big general contractor. And that's kind of how it started, man. I started as a project engineer. That company had a really good training program that I think still to this day is one of the best where if you're new and you get into this, they forced you to be in the field for at least a year. So even if you wanted to be an APM, you still had at least a little bit of that field experience. I, of course, knew I wanted to be a superintendent. The guys that I looked up to were superintendents. And yeah, man, had a really good run. That's, gosh, 12 years ago now. So I've had a good run so far. Been at some really good companies. I had a chance to work overseas also in Germany for a year on contract. That was great. That was a real small company, but I've been at the company I'm at now for about two years. My job site's about 170,000 square feet. Good job. Big, big renovation. Really good trades. Great owner. So, yeah, I mean, there's, as you guys know, there's ups and downs. The highs are really high. The lows are really low. But I've enjoyed it so far, man. It's, it's helped me uh, personally grow. It's obviously financially great to be in this industry. And I think we've all got the same mission that we really want to appeal to the younger generation and bring more guys and gals into this. And I think we've started to change the mentality of what construction is. It's, we, we don't want to sugarcoat it. It's tough, but at the same time, we need these people and we want to show them, Hey, you know, I'm just some dumb kid from Kentucky who made something out of this. So you can do it too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things. I feel like a lot of guys from the forces, it's a, it's a good transition. There's a lot of things that definitely translate over from the forces to mm -hmm. the construction industry for sure. And I think it definitely is something that we should focus a lot more on recruiting wise, especially yeah. guys that are getting out, even the combat trades, you know, they may not have experience in the construction industry, but they tend to be pretty moldable and, and good at taking direction. And that's yeah. really what it takes to succeed in this industry. Yeah. And that was just what you said was kind of the impetus to why we started the construction veteran was drawn down Afghanistan a few years ago. 
there was this just massive amount of people that were getting out and there wasn't a need for such a big force anymore. And the TAP class, you know, the transition classes that you go through are not the best. It's a check in the box. We all know that. But, and I talk about this on my show too. My experience was there was no construction people there. There was IT stuff. I really wasn't interested in that. I'm like, man, I just like to work hard and I want to make good money at it someday. And, and like you said, the environment, it's chaotic and it's fast paced and sometimes exciting. I don't get to nerd out on the big equipment like you guys do. Like that, that's a big appeal. I love that stuff. I love doing big concrete pours and it's just the chaos when you're getting this crew working together, it, it's sometimes dangerous too. So like we're used to that. We can adapt to that. We've been downrange getting shot at. Well, <laughs> I can adapt to this stress too, right? So, Yeah, I think the, the interesting thing that you can compare the military to construction is is the brotherhood for sure. Brotherhood slash sisterhood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Trying to be politically PPC correct. man, but politically correct now. They're, they're gonna they're gonna demonetize. Oh my god, I'm over. I'm done. <laughs> Sorry, Dev. It was a good run, bro. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting though because there's so many comparisons, there's so many similarities, but there are differences. But I would say the caliber guy that does construction would do amazing in an infantry battalion. I think they would kill it. I think you'd have awesome rangers, awesome seals, awesome SF operators from concrete guys. I think they'd be amazing. They've got that mentality. They're out in the heat all day. They're striking, you know, stakes in the ground, the set forms, they're tying rebar operators. They might make phenomenal engineers or CBs building bases. And I'm one of the flukes that didn't go like you two did, where you went engineer side of the military. I went grunt, canine. Now I'm here. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode, but I'd like to take a minute of your time to talk to you about today's sponsor. Are you a GIS professional? land surveyor or construction professional looking for the best in surveying equipment software and service look no further than ags inc ags inc is an authorized dealer for topcon and sokia surveying equipment dealer and eos aero mapping products dealer with a supply store in grapevine texas to serve the dfw metroplex central texas presence and a corporate headquarters in houston texas ags has you covered stop by and experience the ags inc difference today at AGS, it is a service after the sale that counts. AGS is the proud sponsor of the OnGrade podcast. OnGrade podcast listeners, give these guys a call if you want to talk about bringing precision surveying, layout drones, GPS, GIS, or 3D scanning spatial technologies to your company. Thank you, and have a great evening. Back to the episode. So. <laughs> hey, it's And we talk about this in our show that there are so many people that make that transition. I've had a, a couple of really cool guests on that came from the special operations background. It's not the job. It's just, like you said, that mentality. And I've told my team that we got a few vets that work with us, but I told my boss, I said, man, I haven't felt this type of unit and this cohesiveness since I was in the service, just because we're all working towards that same goal. And it's those of us who are successful in this industry are very type A mentalities. And most of the people in the service are as well. And so I think it, the brotherhood and sisterhood, like you said, I, I hear that all the time. People miss that. And without going too much into depth about like the whole mental health crisis, well, that's what drives these people just insane. And the mental health gets to them because they do miss that. They miss that person that they can trust and they can count on. I'm not saying there's no other industry that has that by any means, but 
I think it's a really good transition and it's just kind of who we are in this industry. We really care for each other and look out for each other. I feel like it's very similar to like it's construction industry is very similar to the military where you're doing a serious job, but a lot of the guys in there, we can horse around, we can have fun, we can joke around, we can screw around, you know, and it's, it's still a, still a serious job, but you take the seriousness out of it because at the end of the day, you're coming to work with your buddies Mm -hmm. and you're making it fun. Even though what you're doing is serious, we still joke around and have fun doing it. And that, to me, that's what's very similar to the military. You know, you were doing a serious job that could have serious consequences and screw ups and you just made light of it because that's what got you through it kind of thing. Right. And I feel that's very similar in the construction industry where it's a lot more easygoing and laid back environment where you can complete a serious task, but still mess around and have fun doing it with the boys. And that, that's really what, to me, makes it very similar. And I think touching on that mental health thing, that's what a lot of guys miss for sure. Mm-hmm. You lose that aspect, that social aspect, so to speak, of everyone that's doing the same shit in a like-minded environment and joking around, having fun doing it, right? Yeah. 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 No, man, I totally agree. And and I don't know if the, we, we have this instant connection too with other veterans within the industry. And I think that's great. We could do a better job at showing the non-vets too. That's our goal. It sounds like reaching out to veterans. And I know you guys are appealing to like the younger crowd that are non-veterans, we, we got to talk about the hard stuff too. I mean, it's not, it's not an easy job, like you said, but I, I love how you related that to like a deployment. Like this sucks. I could possibly lose my life. However, I'm still going to coke and joke and, and have a good time because that is what gets me through it. And I would liken it to like just a bad job. We've all had bad projects, like just tough <laughs> projects. It, it still happens. Right. And the way we get through it is like, man, I, I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing my coworker today. Like me, me and him get along kind of thing just like you said. So it's that, it's that safety net, I guess. And thankfully I've been blessed that one of the assistant superintendents I have on site is also a combat vet. He was an engineer, army engineer. And sometimes there's just days, man, that I, I go, you know, I'm just, I'm having a tough day and, and I feel comfortable sharing that with him where I might not feel very comfortable sharing that with a, a non-vet because he, he understands it. It goes back to the Mustang thing. Like he gets it, because he's he's been there too, and so we're there to shore each other up. And it might be a job site, it might be a, a family issue. So well, and even not even that, it's just just the physical aspect of the work too, right? Like I'm sure you guys all remember humping sandbags and doing that in the blistering heat. Yep, you're sweating like crazy. It just absolutely sucks. There's no way around it. It there's there's nothing about that job is fun. Yeah, doesn't matter any way you cut it. There's nothing about it that's fun. It just straight sucks. Yeah, but you get through it, and you just do it with the boys, and you're making jokes, and someone's screwing around and everyone has a good laugh and you, you just get it done. And to me, that's what the construction industry is or what it should be. Yeah. You know, at my company, that's one thing that I harp on and preach and everybody that I hire, I tell them the same thing. If you don't enjoy coming to work and you don't have fun working with the guys you're at, like the job sucks. There's a lot of days, especially in utility, you're <laughs> ankle deep or knee deep in mud and water, your feet are soaked. It's shitty. It's hot. You're slugging pipe together. You're covered in mud. It's not a fun job yeah. when you actually look at it in that perspective. It's the people that make it fun, 100%. you know, and it's the environment and being able to joke around and laugh and make light of a shitty situation, no pun intended, really makes it that much better, right? And the, at the end of the day, the job has to get done and it's going to get done anyway. You cut it, so you might as well make fun and have fun doing it, right? And that's, yeah. that's what I harp on with the guys all the time. And you talk to any of my guys or any of my crew, that's exactly what they're going to say, you know? man, I've never worked somewhere where it was just, you know, so easygoing and so laid back, you know, and I think that's something that everybody needs to do a better job of in the industry as a whole is to make it enjoyable. Yeah, that's for sure. what it is. 
And I think we're seeing a new generation of leadership doing that. You know, guys like you running companies, people that are running circles with that are maybe leading jobs. I think it's improving. Maybe, but maybe I'm just dreaming here. I don't know, but I think it's getting better. But yeah, at the end of the day, I want to have fun. Who doesn't want to have fun? We're all big kids. Come on. I mean, I don't care how old you are. We're still little boys at heart. We want to have fun. We want to play in the dirt. But yeah, it's tough. And, and that's what I mean about you can't sugarcoat it that like it's a hard job. It is a difficult job. But Brandon and I were talking before the podcast that at the end of the day, and I think you might agree with this too, it's, it's all about relationships at the end of the day. It is. People toss that trade partner term around a lot. Do you really live by it? Are these really your partners? A lot of these guys, we hang out outside of work. Like These are not just my trade partners. These are my friends. These are guys that I personally care about. If your company is impacted by something that we have done, like, well, now you can't take me on that hunting trip anymore. No, <laughs> but no, I mean, like, I really do care because maybe I know these guys' families. Like, this impacts them. They know my family. I think I've heard you talk about that with your guys. Like, I think you had said maybe your your mother was in the hospital and they called you, and that that's that's huge. Yeah, it's all relationships. So I mean, we had a few clients and suppliers call, but that's the ones we've been with for years. But some of the newer companies, I told them what was going on, and they immediately said, "If you need anything, let me know." Yeah. yeah. So that spoke volumes to me about them. But the guys that I mentioned it to was like, "Oh well, if you could just give me that RFI back tomorrow." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So. <laughs> Oh, I know where your way. I know where your fucking yeah. priorities are. All well, right. noted. You guys, I mean, I know you know this, but you're not seeing it directly. But what you're doing for those individuals, I guarantee, some of these guys have had just crappy days where, like, I'm done. I'm going to walk away. I'm hopping out of the cab. I'm going home. But they're not because of you, and and you're building that relationship and that care for these people as a person, not just as a body or as a number. And I think that's huge. And so I've had those days, and. It, again, relating it to the service. I go, I, I can't just walk away from these dudes. Their lives depend on it sometimes, but I have such a strong relationship with maybe my supervisor or the guys that I work alongside of that I'm not just going to walk away. It sucks, but it sucks for all of us. We're, we're packing that sandbag together. It sucks. We can oh, yeah. still somehow have fun. Well, and you think of it, I, don't, I just always think of this, how many times you've been in a rock march? <laughs> <laughs> I love Boys, this. I, load up. We're going to rock today. I love that. I love that. Ah. I love those memes where they were like the chick ones. And there's one where it's like two chicks hiking and it says, you can never not enjoy hiking. And it's a whole infantry battalion <laughs> Wrong. going up a mountain, Wrong. like rucked out. And they're all like soaked. And you just see them. They're all holding their weapons. And they're just like, yeah, you know, you're dying. You're done. Your legs yeah. are dead. You're like, you're screaming. You know, they're, they're just like, they're, they're somewhere at Benning. You could tell it was infantry yeah. school because they're all like. They are not enjoying that lady. Like dying. <laughs> you're, you're in the back of your head. It's like, I get to the top of this hill. I'm quitting. That's yeah. it. I'm done. Yep. I'm over it. Well, that the next turn, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you're sitting there and like, you look back at the, the medic Humvee and you're just going, dude, I can make some fake blisters. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> I bet I it's a, really warm in there. I got, I got a K bar in my pocket. I could totally <laughs> get shit right now. So not trying to get off the topic we've been on. It's been great, Scott, but I wanted to just give you a second to talk about some of that volunteering work you do, man. I know it's pretty awesome. Dude, I, I spread myself way too thin. <laughs> I know, man, I, but it's it's awesome. So I, I man, I get into a lot. So um yeah, so recently there's an organization you guys might be familiar with, Texo, here locally. So Texo in North Texas is the combination of AGC and ABC. As a company, we're not members, but a lot of the the same people I run in circles with are members. And uh, sometimes I just get invited out to stuff, which is great. I had a really good opportunity. And man, the, the timing worked out perfectly. Relating back to just the passion for trying to get new people into the industry, 
I thought, why don't we go to high schools? Why don't we go to colleges? So I had an opportunity where on Build Texas Proud Day, which is recent when we're recording this, is probably two, three weeks ago, maybe. So I had an opportunity to go to Waxahachie High School and with Gerald Nichols, who's the CEO of Amber Electric, solid guy. Shout out to Gerald, man. Just a great... Do you really? Oh, yeah. We work with Amber. That's outstanding. Man, just... So if you know Gerald, just... The guy is a huge heart, and he has such a passion for that next generation too. So me and Gerald and a couple other people got the opportunity to, I don't want to say teach, but we got to present the industry to some of these high school kids that they don't know how spoiled they are with this program they have down there. I mean, I I can remember in high school, there might have been like a tin knocker program. Maybe there was like auto body, but these kids basically build a house for one of their projects, like like a tiny house, and they have culinary schools in there, all these different schools. And it's really cool, but we were just able to speak into these kids' lives. And I gave my number out to them, said, hey, if you want to walk the job site, by all means, like, let's let's talk about this. And the reason I did that, this specific project that we're on, it's really neat that we get to touch almost every piece of the industry. So the project that we're on, we, we did a full renovation, which isn't like the super sexy part of the industry coming up with like an office building. But it gets to touch every single piece of the industry, most of them, like the big, the prime trades, I'll say. And then we have earthwork outside. I've got piers I'm drilling. We're coming up with a structure. So rarely will you get to see that type of job, or I should say rarely will these kids have access to that type of job. So I wanted to give them that opportunity. I've been trying to work with the UTD or I'm sorry, UNT, talking with their professors, getting the construction management students out there as well. That's where a lot of my focus has been as far as like any volunteer type work. And and a lot of it, I got to give credit to Texo, man. And the the people that I know, they're really the ones kind of teeing me up for these opportunities. But I'm also pretty involved in, you guys might be familiar with 22 Kill or it's now called the One Tribe Foundation. For those who aren't, a few years back, there was this big push on social media where people were doing 22 pushups a day. Well, that actually started here in DFW, as you guys might know. And uh, just some amazing individuals that run that. They focus on mental health and they're just expanding their services. And a lot of people within our industry are very involved in that. So every opportunity I have, I try to get involved in. I am on the committee for their uh, their leaders in construction group. We've got a, a clay shoot coming up in September of this year, which is great. So the proceeds from a lot of that go back to pay for a mental health treatment. So it might go to counselors, things like that, that... Most of these individuals, if it's not free, it's very cheap. And they have programs for the children. They have programs for the warriors themselves. They have programs for first responders now, which is great. So I try to do, I mean, maybe a little bit of everything. I'm a general contractor, right? That's what we do. We, <laughs> we know a little bit about everything. Jack all trees. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I just try to help out. But I, I do want to say my focus is my family first and foremost. And my relationship with God, my relationship with my family, that to me is my focus before any of that. So if, if that ever came in, if those opportunities ever came in the way, my wife and kids are first, 100%. But thankfully, my wife is just an amazing individual. She supports a lot of this. The podcast is, God willing, hopefully that'll lead into, we're, we're in the process of starting up a 501c3 right now to try to have a like a recreational outlet for vets and first responders. So hopefully teaming up with some other 501c3s out there, but we want to try to create an environment where people can just disconnect. Get off your phone, get off your laptop. We might take it from you while you're there just so you can enjoy the peace and be out in nature. I've been taking some polls from people lately and I'm, you know, what would you want to do? 
a lot of the feedback that I'm getting, everybody says it's got to be outdoors. They want water involved somehow. So maybe that's my excuse when I buy my boat. Yeah, it's for the <laughs> for the organization. There you go. That's a write-off. Yeah. Good write-off. <laughs> and, and man, and I think it's it all boils down to, and I'm not trying to toot my horn, but just the love I have for people. Like, I want to help. Uh, and I think that's a veteran thing, too. And just any way I can do that, any way I can give someone an opportunity or I can assist them with their journey. Recently, I had a kid show up to a job site. He's a transitioning Marine Corps vet. And... They probably didn't. I know they didn't have this when I was in or we were in. They have these awesome skill bridge programs now. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. So they take these folks that are about to transition out of the service and they, they it's kind of like an unpaid internship, I would call it. So they're still getting paid active duty pay, but they get to team up with a company that maybe it's an industry they're interested in or familiar with. And they basically work for free. So benefit to the company. They're still getting paid by the, uh, the, the government. And now they have some sort of a six month to a year knowledge about that trade. So they transitioned right into that job. So I had an event that I went to, kid came up to me, a guy knew I was in construction. He came up to the job site and I, I teamed him up with my electrician who that, that was the trade he wanted to go into. And I sent his resume to Gerald actually. And I sent his resume to Gensler Electric as well. And, you know, it, it, it's it's really neat that even though you're playing the small part, you know you know it's opening a door as a transitioning vet too. Having that one connection is going to help him tremendously in his future. Yeah, so. huge. I'm from Canada originally, and we have a program called Helmets to Hard Hats, and that's the same ideas. We have it here too. Is, yeah. So Helmets to Hard Hats basically does training and courses and stuff. So if you want to get in the trades, they would help facilitate getting into a trade school or college. And then get you placed with a company after your your training's done. Same idea. You yeah, have to very familiar with them. I was too busy pipe it until the end. So <laughs> I, I got out and it was like, "What can you do?" I was like, "I can kick doors in and shoot shit." Hey, <laughs> you want to work in the oil field? I said, "Come on." <laughs> Next thing I know, I got a CDL and I'm on a frat crew and I fit right in because everybody was an ex-con. And you know, <laughs> all the all the all the what like all all the guys that are in those positions too. Yeah, they got such a bad rep up and. I don't know if this was just teachers pushing this when we were younger, but like, oh, if you go into the infantry, you're not going to have any job when you get out. I would follow an infantry guy before anybody else because you're in that dangerous environment and you can get somehow some kid to follow you into flying bullets. I mean, that's leadership. And so they have those soft skills. Yeah. And I think we need to talk about that more, not only in the military, but our industry too. Like, man, those are the guys, the superintendents that yeah, they're the technical guy, but now they have the politics, they have the business acumen to actually talk to a client without every other word, you know, dropping the F-bomb. <laughs> so those are the guys I that still we can't need. do that. <laughs> I can't do it. I, I also imagine about half of them when I'm dealing with them, like, I could totally smoke you from <laughs> 700 yards, bro. I want to choke slam like, this guy. I, like, it's just like, I don't mean to talk about it, but it is funny, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, you know, they're like, you have no idea what I know. And I'm like, you have no idea what I used to do for a living. <laughs> like, you just want to smile and go, I know. You just, let me get my room do the thing. Let me, let me bring my room and Claymore. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ATF sorry. is kicking your door down tomorrow. <sighs> have you guys seen that TikTok video? Uh -uh. Oh my God, it's hilarious. A Claymore? I, I sent it to her. No, it's not a Claymore. But okay. <laughs> So I guess that's pretty cool. It's it's like the ATF trading the guy's house, right? And he goes, he goes, he goes, Siri, yeah. He goes, red alert. Oh. And all the lights turn red yeah. in the house and it goes to fortunate son. Yeah. 
And then, like, all of a sudden, this door opens and, like, all these ARs, like, start coming out. There's a few. It, it was hilarious. There's <laughs> a few of those out there where some of them are like, hey, Google or Siri, yeah. sorry if I just set somebody's off by saying that, but it's like intruder intruder alert. Yeah. Some of them are like, Metallica will start playing. Yeah. Like, yeah, guns will pop <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. Oh, it's just so cool, man. I'm like, we need to do some research on these people because yeah. these guys sound like my kind of people. <laughs> Anyways, not getting into politics, but so- I got to ask this. You served in both branches. All right. I don't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. All right. All right. All right. right. Don't ask me who I'm voting or who I root for in the game. I'm not asking that. (laughs) I know the answer to that one. What did you appreciate about the Navy and what did you appreciate about the Army? That's a good question. Yeah. Man, there's so much I could cover with that. So let me me say this. The reason I chose the Army, Specifically for the chaplaincy, I actually, I reached out to my old chaplain, my battalion chaplain from my CB battalion, and just asked his opinion, like, hey, what do you think? And he said, if you want a life like you had in the CBs, you need to go into the Army. Yeah. So, okay. For those who don't know, I mean, a CB battalion is is structured just like an infantry battalion. Not that, you know, we were infantry or anything like that, but structured very similarly we're trained by Marines. We hang out with Marines. We, we deployed with special operations guys. So it was a very high speed environment and you're not going to get that on a boat most of the time. So the good takeaways from the Navy, my dad was a Navy guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm really proud to continue that lineage. My grandmother was actually a, a wave in the Navy, which was the first females that were in. She was, um, man, I can't remember for the life of me. I want to say she was a yeoman which is like HR. And so yeah, man, I, I had some really good leadership. There were some really good opportunities to go to different schools. I don't think I really have anything negative to say about the Navy side versus the Army side. Yeah, or there was like a big differentiator between the two. But I think the jobs, like the job availability between the branches, I really liked the Navy side that there was an opportunity there for me to become an air crewman. That didn't really exist at the time in any other branches. And Marine Corps does have the same, they have air crew, but yeah, I don't know if that answers that, but man, it's there's pros and cons. I mean, just like, you know, GC to trade side. Like there's there's always pros and cons with either branch. And I will never ever on the record say who I I root for during the game. So you can <laughs> you might think you know, but you, you never know. Well, anyways, go army. But it was funny when I went in, I remember talking to the recruiter and he's like, "So what do you want to do?" And I was like, "I want to be an army ranger." And he's like, "Okay." He said, "Uh, you don't want to do anything else?" I was like, no. He's like, dude, you, you get, you're a rocket scientist. Your ASVAB scores through the roof. And I'm like, that's cool. I'll do that when I get out. I'm like, I want to go I want to go kick some ass. And I did. And uh, I didn't do Army Ranger, but it kind of got screwed, man. At the time, I went to the Army recruiter in February of 2006, hmm. the height of Iraq. Yeah. And I'm like, so you got an option 30 contract? You know, Ranger contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to MEPS. So I went to MEPS three times. Oh, we can get you infantry and airborne. Can't get you in a slot ranger school or for RASP. And I'm like, well, back then it was RIP. But yeah. I'm like, okay. So I can't. I went home. And they'd get me try You know what they do. They'd be like, oh, come on. Just sign that. Well, when you get there, they'll Some guy had to fill numbers. <laughs> Some recruiter had to fill yeah. numbers. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, no, I'm not stupid. You know, I yeah. had enough friends that are in. I know this game. So I went home. I went up there three times, dude. And finally, I was just like, whatever, dude. So I just went regular and did my thing. And why so, army? Let me ask you that. Uh, I was going to do the Marines. Okay, but the Marines took too long to get back to. Them. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. I And I've heard that from a lot of guys. Yeah. They're real particular about people. And uh, when I went, I did the ASVAB at my high school. So I don't know how you did it, but when, oh yeah, Canadian's probably a little different, but. Same. He's like, what was this ASVAB you're talking about? It's probably probably the same concept, but I took it my junior year. And I remember when I did it, we were like, oh, this gets us out of class. (laughs) So I I just did it just to get out of class. I didn't even think I was going to join the military yet. I knew I was going to join the military, but I thought I was going to go take it again. But I did it so I get out of class because it was on a Friday. So I was like, three day weekend. Yeah. Cause I'm like, they, the recruiters were in charge of us. They didn't have a teacher in there. They go, dude, as soon as y'all are done, as far as we're concerned, you've been checked into all your classes. So y'all can bounce. <laughs> oh, wow. So we got done with this thing at like 11 in the morning, bro. We rolled all of us. We went None to like, of the parents knew. Oh, dude. <laughs> so we went to Whataburger and nice. jerked off and went fishing and all that stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, we're catfishing at like two in the afternoon, but else Texas getting out of school. Where y'all at? We're fishing. What the Dude, how y'all, y'all are you fishing? We went and took the ASVAB. That's awesome. So a couple days go by, you know, they had to get the results in. A couple weeks go by, and Air Force recruiter calls me. And he says, what do you think about uh, the Air Force? Uh, if I knew what I knew now, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> hey, so, r- real quick, and I hate to interrupt, and, and man, somebody's going to kick my butt for saying this. They are so difficult to get into. Oh, I know. So the Marine Corps has their requirements, but man, the Air Force oh. is so picky. Oh, dude, they they picked the top 1%, dude. I mm-hmm. tell everybody that. So they called me, and I was shocked they called me first, right? Because they were like, hey, what do you think about coming in the Air Force? And I was like, what do I qualify to do? And the guy listed off a bunch of jobs. And the only thing that sounded anything appealing was PJ. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what's PJs do? And he's like, oh, well, they're like pararescue. And I'm like, rescue? I don't <laughs> I don't really want to rescue people. So and much he, more to it. And than then that, when yeah. he kind of started explaining it, he's like, no, you you go down on the front lines, like you support Marines, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, that sounds pretty legit. So he's like, well, you got to have a top secret or a secret clearance. And I was like, okay. And I said, but I'm 17. He goes, oh, you'll have to wait till you're 18. And I'm like, mm. I was like a year away. So a couple of days later, the Army calls. And he's like, hey, man, I got your ASVAB score. He scored really high. You you got to come down to the station. So I went to the Listville recruiting station and the Marines is right next door. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to walk on the Marines first. <laughs> they got better uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of us disagree with that. And so <laughs> still to this day, they I, I went to the Marines, but in the back of my mind, I really, really, truly, what really made me not want to be a Marine is, and it's nothing against Marines. It's the white dress, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not that. It's the Army does shit silently. Okay. They don't have to go boast their chest out when they do shit. And that's something that I- There's going to be so many comments and hate oh, after this episode. I don't, <laughs> All I these don't, Marines super fire. I don't care. You know, and you know what? I will say this to every Marine out there. I got nothing but respect for you yeah, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Y'all are some insane dudes, and I've worked with some awesome ones. Nothing but respect. But when you can roll with an ODA team- that's fun stuff. I'm sorry. There ain't nothing better. Yeah. But I knew in my heart that I wanted to go special ops. Sure. And the best organization to do special ops in, besides the Navy, is the Army. Yeah. They have the two best pipelines. And I knew that. I already knew that. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, Black Hawk Down really sold me on it. Sure. <laughs> I'll go hey, Top Gun is, yeah. I mean, that's sold me on the Navy. Because yeah. I walked into the recruiter at 17. Yeah. And parents had to sign me, sign me up. Dad was a Navy guy, so of course he's pushing that down my throat. And that was, I wanted to join the Marine Corps. My my best friend at the time, who's a year younger than me, ended up being an infantryman in the Marine Corps. And of course he teased me, he's like, oh, squid, oh, you're a Navy guy. 
but <laughs> I wanted to be a pilot, but I didn't, I didn't know at the time, you know, you had to be an officer, you had to have a college degree. So of course, little 17 year old pimply me was like, I want to be a pilot. How old are you? I'm 17. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But you and everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And then I and, just watched Top Gun. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I want to be Tom Cruise. <laughs> I think it, the interesting thing is, and I, I, we won't stay on this forever, but I, I want to say one more thing. I love the rivalry of the Marines, though, because a ton of my guys that work for me are Marines. Oh, yeah. So what I do on the Marine Corps birthday is every year I invite them in the office. Oh, and I, buy, I, I know where this is going. And I buy them a Crayola box. Yep. Crayon. <laughs> cake. And on the cake, it says, Happy Birthday, Marines, yep. and the R is always spelled backwards. <laughs> and then on the bottom of it, it says, Go Army. I <laughs> and so nothing but love. I love y'all. I love y'all. Y'all some crazy dudes. But I'm gonna tell you right now, you gotta support your branch, dude. Yeah. You gotta back your branch up, dude. And I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've seen the pictures on the Marine pages that make fun of the Army. They are legit. Oh yeah. There are elements of the Army that the Army <laughs> makes fun of. Like you see that pack clerk that's like 400 freaking pounds, and they got the nails done and shit. Oh yeah, dude. Yep. I make fun of them just as good as you do. And we all make. But fun they of don't. Each other. They don't ever go down to the infantry battalion no. and take pictures because they'll be like, oh, they're just as squared away as us. <laughs> so that's why. <laughs> I told uh, a Marine this year. I said, "Happy birthday to the to the, the Navy infantry." So he, he didn't like that. My ass rides yeah. in Navy equipment. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Where did the dad, the, the father of the, the Marine Corps? Yeah. Who's daddy? Just remember that. <laughs> I, lo I love Who's it. Your dad? I always love it when they're like, you know, Marine, whenever I run into Marines. And I think you'll agree with me on this. There's there, something I've always noticed about the Marines. And nothing, we're not here to bash Marines all day, but this is just something. Funny. You could have fooled me. No, I won't bash <laughs> Marines all day. I want to say some, one funny thing. Every combat Marine I know, they don't have to tell you they're Marine. You just oh, yeah. tell. Yep. Every guy that was like motor T, supply, that's the dude that's got 15 EGAs on the back of his truck. And all they, that's all <laughs> they talk about. And he's got the giant EGA shirt on, and he's like, I was a Marine. Yep. And then you're like, so are you a pet clerk or are you motor T? And, and they always go, how did you know? I'm like, because my best friend was in Sangin in 3.5, yeah. and I know some serious Marines, bro. Yeah, you, you ain't it. If you you don't have brag, to walk. Like, you don't have to walk around with an EGA on to tell me who he yeah. is, dude. And like, I'm not saying that. And there's guys in the army that are like that. I'm not even gonna lie about it. But it's like they're notorious for it, and that's why we always joke about it. Especially in the army, we used to joke about it all the time. We're like, oh, look at this guy. He's got his EGA on his back window. He's got to tell everybody he's in the freaking Marines. <laughs> it was always hilarious when um, I was stationed in Japan. That's when I was around Marines a lot. So it was always funny when you know I'd run into them and they're just like be young lance corporals or you know young privates and they're like hey sergeant i'm like what's up man and they're like what's that patch on your right side mean i'm like oh it means you've been deployed and they're like, oh y'all don't wear that shit in the marines and i'm like no i know y'all don't i'm like they, they didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings or something like that. <laughs> dude hey on that subject real quick too i was so shocked because i had a nine-year break from active duty to when i got commissioned into the reserves and I was so shocked at how many people were slick sleeve. And so for those who don't know, like that patch you're talking about, they, I mean, you're talking first sergeants and master sergeants with nothing. You're like, man, how have you done? And, and at that level, you've been in yeah. 12, 15 years maybe. And they're at that level. And you're like, low key, you're a little jealous. You're like, man, that's awesome. That guy never had to deploy. And I have a good friend of mine and we tease him. He's been in the Air Force eight years and he's never gone anywhere. And of course we give him grief. And I said, look, to be quite honest, it sucks. Like deployment's hard, man. It's hard being away from your family. 
it's very difficult. And we tease you because like, I think part of us is a little jealous, like, man, he did all that time. But the one benefit is you get to do your job, everything that you train for. But I'm still shocked that there's people that have done that long a time without a combat deployment. It's crazy when you go combat arm side, especially, and see that. Like, oh, it's yeah. rare, but- I have not. That'd be crazy. I, I got back from Japan, and I got back to Carson. This was in 12 or 13, right before I got out. And Beautiful place, man. I love it. Oh, man, I miss Carson. Yeah, beautiful um, place. Oh, by the way, we're talking about Fort Carson, Colorado, yeah. guys. It's at the foot of Pikes Peak. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It's right by the Air Force Academy. It's the Army Post on the south side. Oh, smacking myself with my mic. <laughs> Go Army. Yeah. <laughs> army of one, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least They've I, gone back to the old slogan. Yeah, I know. Uh, be all that you can be. Oh, geez. It's not going to improve their recruiting efforts. No, no. <laughs> at least they finally got rid of the rock camouflage that we wore when I was in Afghanistan. You know, oh, yeah. Like you're in a quarry. The yeah. ugly. I don't know who makes those decisions, man. Oh, dude. It's so bad. We field tested multicam, and it was like the greatest day ever because they stopped shooting at us because they couldn't see us anymore. I was so <laughs> stoked. So when, when I was downrange, the only people that had that were the soft guys. Most of the time, we supported First Ranger Bat, and then we had 3rd SF was over there. Dev Group was over there. So I, I, I was fortunate enough to do JSOC support, that's Joint Special Operations, and uh, they had all the cool high speed stuff. And, oh, yeah. and when I when I got in a couple years ago, like we everybody wears it now, right? Yeah. Because they always test it first. It's like Formula One is where they test a lot of mechanics before they end up in your vehicle. Yep. So the soft guys were testing all the high speed stuff, and I got a little bummed out because the only people in the Navy at the time that were wearing those digital, you know, the Marine Corps has their Marpat, but the Navy had the green digitals, and the only people that wore them were the CBs and the SEALs. Mm-hmm. That's it. And now. Everybody has them, and I'm like, you look so goofy with your digital and your your blue rank here. It just it doesn't <laughs> doesn't it matter. Like a you're on a boat, and you're like, look for the trees in right. the middle of the ocean. Well, they did the the we call them the blueberries. I remember those. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah, they're so ugly. That was the Navy equivalent of the Army's rock camouflage. Yeah, you're not lying. Shit. When I got in, they were in Canada. We were still wearing jungle cam, like from the 70s. Yeah, hey, sakes. y'all's uniforms were legit, dude. When y'all got your digital well, stuff, we switched over. Yeah, y'all got some legit stuff. They, they when they got nice their digital stuff. stuff, they had some nice stuff. We had. Dude, I still got my rain gear. It's awesome. Shit. I and, still have mine, and I, that's why I wear snowboarding. <laughs> so we had BDUs because the the CB's got all the Marine Corps hand-me-downs. Yeah. So all the old equipment, all like the the entrenching tool and all that. That's like reverse like, psychology. I thought, isn't it? I thought they got the hand-me-downs from y'all. No. Oh. No. They got the Army's old stuff. Then we got the Marines' old stuff. So we're like actually, third just, tier. Actually, they just shipped a bunch of tanks back to the Army when they demo wow. the, when they de-mechanized. Yeah. They shipped tanks back to the Army. That's wild. And the Army put them in long-term storage because they're M1As, and they're not A2s like the Army's rocking. The yeah. Army's like, we don't need these. We'll so you're saying there's a chance parts. I could buy a tank for pretty cheap? No, I think they sent them to Ukraine. <laughs> oh, actually. <laughs> Blew them up. It's probably more yeah. or that. Yeah. yeah. No, my buddy was armor in the Marines. He was telling me that they were decommissioning his tanks when he was getting out. His whole battalion was getting... I don't remember what they did. I think they sent a bunch of them to infantry. Oh, well. It was either infantry or artillery or something like that. They switched them all to... Artie makes more sense, yeah, if they sent them to the Artie side. Yeah. And uh, because that's kind of what happened with the Army with the Stinger guys, the guys that used to shoot the Stingers, Mm -hmm. they shipped all those guys to... I think they made them all field artillery guys. Yeah, that or mortars or something. I could see that being similar. So, uh, talked about... uh, I don't like how you're smirking, man. Now you're worried. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like this episode. It's a little different, guys. Uh We're uh, we're talking different stuff. We talked about that. Want a crayon? (laughs) (laughs) Join the wrong branch. I got my pen. 
What? Let's talk about when you became a chaplain. How did you like it? Yeah. So I will say disclaimer, I never got to wear that title. I never got to be a full chaplain. I was in a program called the the Chaplain Candidate Program. And to give, if anybody out there is interested, fantastic program. You basically, it's kind of like an internship. So you you get your direct commission, kind of like a doctor would or, or a lawyer. So I was fortunate enough to get to serve alongside people that had never served. And so they're, boom, you're an officer right away, like right off the bat. Now, thankfully, I had the background and I knew, you know, what my uniform was supposed to look like, con- courtesies and, and customs, things like that. But yeah, so the candidate program, it was really interesting, but I decided to resign my commission because I think I had mentioned that I went down, I went to Fort Hood for a few weeks. Family had a really rough time with it. Admittedly, I had a really rough time being away from my family. I didn't have a wife or kids when I was active duty. So I saw how much that impacted buddies of mine, and then I went, man, I just I just don't think it's going to work out. So really glad I did that. I felt like, quite honestly, that was the best job you could have, Yeah. And, and but also the worst job. In my short time, I did, I did about two years on the reserve side, got to meet some amazing individuals, a lot of people that were in kind of a similar background to me. I was fortunate that I was able to select an engineer battalion. I requested that specifically. Part of that was I could speak intelligently to these guys and say, hey, I was an NCO when I got out. Hey, you talk about the deployment patches. They were like, okay, this guy's legit. You know, even though I'm a butter bar, he's legit. He's a brand new officer, but he's obviously been somewhere. But I also got to wear some of my Navy pins. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was so cool that that opened up conversations because they're going, what is that? Like they don't wear the same stuff. And I go, oh, it was a CB. Oh, no way, man. You were a CB? Yeah. And then we'd strike up a conversation. So that part of it was really rewarding. As, as a chaplain, you, you don't hold command. The only portion that would report to us would be our, uh, they used to be called chaplain assistants, but they're religious affairs specialists. So that's your, your enlisted equivalent. So you can't carry weapons. It's against the Geneva Convention. So you have to have this individual that is your bodyguard, I guess is one way to put it. They don't like that. But, that's, <laughs> but that if you did come under fire, that's the individual that's supposed to fire back for you. Now, me, you're not supposed to do this, but I'd probably want to pick up a rifle and fire back myself, but you can get a lot of trouble for that. There was the positive side that I got to have these just awesome conversations with people. And I actually had a guy I worked with that I recruited him to our company. He was in the same reserve battalion and we were at work one day and he always called me, sir. I was like, bro, we're not in uniform. You don't have to call me, sir. Please stop it. But his name was Scott also. I said, Scott, what's different when I walk up to you guys and not like another junior officer? What's different? He said, because you're not going to yell at me about my uniform. You're not going to say something stupid to my guys. You're not going to ask them to do something. You're there. You're just there to hang out and see how we're doing. So in that regard, it was awesome. I just got to love on people and and have a relationship with them. And then the hard part is sometimes you get people in counseling that just are having a rough go, I guess is a good way to put it. Just, uh, you know, going through maybe deaths in the family, suicidal ideations. There are a lot of people coming back from deployment, having a really tough time. And you have to be kind of the voice of reason It taught that person down a little bit and just love on them. That, that, so it was rewarding, but really challenging. And it's tough because a lot of people don't realize there's a legality if you're like a pastor or a counselor and somebody shares something with you about like hurting others or yourself. Like some people had to report that pastors don't, but if they're, let's say they're doing something with children, a pastor has to report that a chaplain has the the rules that they cannot share anything. And so thank God I, I never got into a situation where a soldier shared something with me that didn't allow me to sleep at night, I guess is a good way to put it. The tough part is 
I had such a long break between active duty that, you know, I'm, I'm 37 now. I was 34, 35 getting into the program. And so these, these soldiers are like, some of them weren't alive when 9-11 happened. And you're like, this is wild. These are kids. And I can remember one counseling session I did and I had a, a female soldier just sharing things with me and she's crying. And it, it, I, all I wanted to do was just like give her a hug. Yeah. Super inappropriate. Would never, would not have done that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're like, this could be my little sister. This could be my daughter. Maybe not at my age, but like you, you view them like that. Yeah. And that was the hardest part, just kind of emotionally. And so my wife saw it sometimes when I came home and just like, man, there's so much you want to do for these people. But it was also rewarding. Some of it's like, nobody's never taught these people how to do a budget, right? You might get a kid in there that's just upset about, you know, my finances suck. I'm like, man, I can remember this conversation. Has anybody taught you how to budget your money? No. Man, either your first sergeant's failing you or like somebody in your family, nobody's ever taught you how to do that. And so sometimes you're just helping them with life, big decisions in life. And then there's the funny conversations. Like I had a kid who was legitimately on his dog tags, said Jedi. That was his religion. Now I'm like, hey man, look, I'm a Christian guy, but tell me what that means. Like, let's have a conversation about it. Is this real? He's like, yeah. I'm like, so what do they do when like people die? How do, how do they, what's the funeral? Oh, well, they've got these pyres. And I'm like, man, this is wild. <laughs> so, and, and there was, you know, without getting too much into the politics, things have changed a lot in the service. Even after my time, and I can remember Don't Ask, Don't Tell got repealed shortly after I separated. So there were big political changes that had happened. And even more so within the last couple of years. Sometimes there, at least my perception is people were trying to kind of back me into a corner. Well, what do you think about that, chaps? I'm like, guys, if you want to talk about this one-on-one, we absolutely can, but I really don't like what you're doing. And I didn't want to get myself in trouble. And the one saving grace is if if you're, you know, no pun intended, but if you're, if you're preaching maybe a sermon, you're going to abide by what your specific religious beliefs are. Anybody's allowed to come, but you kind of have to make it known, this is my space. So, you know, if I were to go into a mosque, like there's an imam chaplain, that is holding their service. I might not necessarily agree with them, but that's their space. I can't try to get that individual in trouble. And many people have tried. There have been chaplains that have gotten in trouble for some of these things, but usually not many people know you have to be endorsed by a particular religious body. So you have to have some sort of a denomination. You can't just go to a a non-denominational church that doesn't have a structure, which God bless the church I was at at the time. When I knew I wanted to take that step and go into that field, my pastor, buddy of mine, great dude, but they they didn't have like an actual denomination. It was non-denominational. He's like, yeah, man, I'll write you a letter. I said, bro, you can't, you're not going to write like a letter to a three-star general and say, yeah, this guy's good to go. It just doesn't work like that. So you have this body behind you, backing you up if you do get put into that position. So ups and downs for sure. You don't have to deal with the dumb crap which is great. Kind of like a warrant officer. You know, they just get to do their job and go home. They don't have to deal with any of the just dumb stuff. And I felt like I could be myself finally in uniform. I'm not walking on eggshells. Kind of like you are when you're coming up the ranks as an NCO. You're like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta be perfect. Don't piss this guy off. Yeah. this up. But yeah, it was kind of unique where I could get to talk openly with like a two-star and just have that, you know, I'm way down here on the pecking order, but I could have this open conversation with them. And the same thing with a private who sometimes when I got into counseling, I'd rip my rank off and say, look, that does not exist here. What's your first name? Oh, such and such. Okay. I'm Scott. 
Let's talk. Let's just have a conversation. So that was the rewarding part, just to get to really pour into people. I remember when we came back off one deployment, they made us go see the chaplain because we've been kind of a hot spot. Yeah. We got a new chaplain because our chaplain we deployed with, he actually PCS like the day we got back. Like he literally started clearing. And I don't know why, but he got sent somewhere, some important thing he had to do. So we get a new chaplain and we walk in and I'm looking at the guy's arm and I'm looking at his chest and I'm like, you weren't a chaplain long ago, were you? He goes, what do you mean? I'm like, dude's wearing a Ranger tab, CIB, jump wings. I'm like, so you stab bodies yeah. in the name of the Lord, huh? Chef's he just <laughs> he, he, he just he busts out laughing. He goes, yeah, you guys aren't going to talk about your feelings in here, are you? No. <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm answer your questions the way they need to so the Army doesn't make me go into a box yep. with a padded room. Check the box, man. <laughs> yeah. There was a, speaking of that, I've got a good buddy who, he's a sniper, and he told me a story about former infantry guy yeah. that was his chaplain. And I guess they're coming back into the green zone in Iraq, and they came under fire and there was some kid and it happens. People get scared in that environment. And sometimes they lock up. They don't know what to do. I guess this kid did that. And so my buddy's firing back and the chaplain grabs the rifle and he's looking at him. What are you doing, sir? He's like, I'm sending bullets for the Lord. <laughs> like, don't you tell anybody about this? Cause you, you lose your commission. Yeah. But oh, yeah. I'm like, man, I mean, yeah, so it's a tough Bad position ass. to be in. Yeah. Stacking bodies for That's the That's a cool chaplain right there, man. It's like, I'm protecting my flock. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, we had Padres in Canada, they called them. Mm. Don't quote me. I'm pretty sure they're of no denomination. I'm pretty, it's been a while, but I'm pretty sure they're of no denomination in Canada, so they're to anyone kind of thing. But our Padre was cool. He was badass. He was an older guy, but he was just a joker, right? Like, yeah. come around in the field or in anywhere, it didn't matter. He was always joking. Everyone else liked the Padre. He was, he was a ride. I still keep in contact with him. That's all. Awesome. Yeah. You're there as a support. I mean, and it's cool. You get to, you get to support people in like a different way. As weird as that sounds like you're not the supply guy, you get to support them. Like, how are you as a per- How are you? Not as a soldier. How are you as a person? How's it going? And, and you really get to get involved and, and, even though, you know, back to the the reference about like an imam or a, a different type of chaplain, we still supported everybody, regardless of what their background was, faith affiliation, no affiliation. You were just there to support them as individuals. And even if, you know, I had a Jewish kid maybe that would come up to me, I'm going to do my best to get you where you need to go to, to, to get the services that you need. I can't perform that. However, I can, I can get you to somebody that can. Right. Yeah, we had, uh, I remember... I had like five different chaplains while I was in, but I think one was Catholic. We had a Baptist. I think we had a Lutheran guy. And then the last one we had was pagan. Oh, wow. That was cool. Huh. I did had a beard. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I was, and he walked around with a Thor's hammer. He had a Thor's hammer patch. Huh. Yeah. Like the Thor's hammer. Yeah. Cause they were allowed, that was right when they were changing everything. Oh. And he was like one of the first guys to come through that was not one of the traditional. Times are changing, man. Yeah. So. That was kind of cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, because he would, we're like, so is Valhalla real? Like, yeah, bro. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> anyway, uh, next question. Uh, <laughs> Scott, it's been a blast tonight, man. For sure, so man. Far. I'm so, glad we were able to do this finally. And I, again, yeah. I apologize to you guys, but you get it more than anybody else, I think. Yeah. As podcast hosts, it's tough to just team up. What let's talk about real quick. We got an, about fifteen minutes. We'll talk construction last fifteen. Sure. You and I were talking earlier about the loosely termed term of trade partner. Okay. Yep. I can attest to this one. 
when I hear them say that and preach it on their website and on their posts that they put on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, they're like, our trade partners are out there working. But we're at the PGA golf tournament, and we're not going to have their check for them on Friday like we promised them. Yep. That's not being a trade partner. Uh, yeah, I agree. Totally agree. That's that's not. Now, you calling somebody up there at their office, and they go, hey, by the way, the boss ain't here, but the boss already told me about this, so come by and pick up your check. That's a trade partner. That's a part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, relationships go so far. And like we were talking earlier, sometimes it's just – understanding hey and you've alluded to it on other episodes of yours that sometimes it's i have a different view of where the project should be but i'm not an earthwork guy yeah i need to hear from my earthwork guy and i need to be humble enough to take that into account and and really take it on board to say hey i'm a carpenter that's what i know so yeah i might be a little hard on my millwork guys and shout out to those dudes i love my millworkers but I, i i'll give you a real world example i'm terrified of electricity right like i i'm not a sparky I love, love my electricians to death. And because of that, I mean, I've, I've got a fantastic electrical superintendent on the job right now. And sometimes it's just me saying, hey, man, what do you think we should do? And I share with you earlier, when people ask me that, like that goes really far. Usually foremen or superintendents, they love their trade. That's why they've been doing it so long. And so just asking them that, like, because I'm shocked by the amount of times that people don't do that to our trades. Sometimes, you know, I can't speak to why they're not getting paid. Obviously, I'm a superintendent. But what I can do is a lot of these guys I've had relationships for a long time when they'll call me, hey, man, just heads up, I haven't been paid. My first call is to my boss to say, look, I'm at risk of losing these guys. This is not okay. This is impacting them personally. What do we need to do? And half the time, he might not even know. Sometimes it may be held up in in accounting, but he can help me push that along. And whether the guy gets paid the next day or not, it sometimes it's just the effort like, hey, dude, I can't do it personally, but I'm going to fight like hell mm-hmm. to make sure you get what you deserve. Whether you need to get paid for that change order, whether we're not going to rake you over the coals for those change orders, that to me, at least from a superintendent's standpoint, that's being a partner. Well, and from an owner's perspective, for me, it's communication, right? So, 100%, yeah. A lot of times, like you said, it's not the superintendent that's holding your pay. It yeah. may not even, probably not even the PM on the site. Nine times out of 10, it goes to accounting. Yeah. And there's a screw up there, or they don't have the right form, or something's not signed off. But they don't always communicate that effectively. It yeah. literally gets put in a pile on a list and goes off in an email next week because they don't care. It's just they're going through their their checks and their boxes. I'm taking my kids to Disney World <laughs> and I won't be here and I'm not going to cut your check until yeah. I get back. <laughs> you know, I know you're going to send Lane notices, but I don't care. A <laughs> couple, couple weeks ago, Sorry. superintendent I was working for, actually the PM calls me. He's like, hey, dude, it's 3 o'clock Friday. I just found out from accounting PO is maxed out. They didn't issue a new one. I don't know. The girl was supposed to do it. It's gone for the weekend already. Not going to get you paid till Monday. Hey, man, no big deal. Thanks for calling. Just that, for me as an owner, you know, taking the 10 minutes to check up on that, you know, without me asking. Yeah. And then calling me to let me know. That's huge. It's communication, right? It's and that's, a, that's what goes a long way. You had a guy, Mr. Villarreal. Yeah. Yeah. He said something that really resonated with me too. Just pick up the phone. And so when I was transitioning out of one company into another one of the guys I'd worked with for years, he said, you know what? You're the only person that picked up the phone at that company. And that's a big reason I don't like them. I said, really? Communication goes so far. And sometimes it's just giving you that heads up. It's got to be reciprocated too from the subcontractor side to us that I'm not going to meet your date. Here's why. Like, help me understand. 
I want the bad news now so I can work around that. We can make magic happen sometimes. I'll fight for you all day, but you have to tell me. And I think there's a trust factor there because people have been burned. You know, like you've spoken about your contracts. You bleed all over, right? You've probably gotten burned or GCs have gotten burned by subs. So if they don't know me, they're not going to share that information of, hey, the shipment is late. You're not going to get your lights on time or you're not going to get this on time. And it takes, I think, years to build that relationship of, dude, I'm not going to screw you over if you tell me why. And I understand so I can impact everyone else. Like we can work around this. But when you don't tell me, that's when I get really upset. Well, it becomes a problem, right? Yeah. That's the thing. We do we do this huge. Like my guys in the field, the minute there's a problem or something that causes a delay, whether it's in the trade or they see something that's going to be a problem tomorrow, you know, like, hey, these guys aren't done. We're going to be in their area tomorrow. It's not going to work. Yeah. They shoot that off to me. I shoot that off to them. Then they can plan. The GC can plan. Yeah. He can look at it and be like, okay. Or if it's not even planning, he can start working on change order because, hey, we're going to get billed because this isn't moving for this, 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 this before it even becomes a problem. Yeah. And then it goes up. Somebody else makes a decision and it comes back and it takes the onus or it takes the heat off of them of looking like an idiot for not knowing what's going on on their site. Right. And that's, that's huge too. It yeah. goes both ways. Yeah. And so there's a guy out there named Matt Graves. I got to give him a shout out. He's down in Houston. And he recently put out like a bullet point list of things about construction. And one of them was like, you're going to get yelled at, get used to it. <laughs> and I think a lot of times, especially on the GC side, we're really bad. I'm not saying my company, I, I got to give a shout out to my company. I love the guys I work with. And I'm not just saying that so I don't get fired, right? But I really love my team because we're bold enough to tell our customers, hey, the bad news. I've worked with some PMs in the past that are just, well, we can't tell them yet. We're going to change the schedule. We're, we're going to delay this, but we're not going to really let them know what's going on. Why? I don't do that to my trades. And I've had to stand my ground on the flip side where sometimes our industry is notorious about creating two schedules, one for the owner, one for the trade partners. <laughs> totally unacceptable. And I've had to tell executives, I'm not going to do that. They're going to see the schedule. Why? Because if they're killing their people, working six days a week, 10, 12, 14 hour days, but they don't realize we have an extra two weeks that maybe the customer just gave us. You have just ruined my entire relationship that I've been trying to build this last year on the project. So we're not going to do that. Just because you're scared to go tell that owner because, you know, you might get your hand smacked a little bit. That's not my problem. So I think, and thankfully I don't work with those types of people now, but yeah, it's got to work both ways. So I try to encourage my trades to do that too. That's that low bid mentality, though, that we talk about all the time. Yeah, you got that low bid mentality, and so you've got you've got to keep this owner happy because in your eyes you're like, oh, he's going to give me more work, and I I want to preach to these guys, dude. If you're not the lowest bid on the next job, you're not helping. You're not. No you're not getting the job. So stop trying to be this guy's best friend. Watch out for the owner as you should, but also watch out for the sub. Yeah, not just one sided. And the problem is, unlike you, there are, and we talked about this a minute ago, out of 10 general contractors, one of them's worth the crap. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. And I'll be honest with you, trade partners are the same way. Well, I, and, and I'm not trying to talk crap. I mean, no, no, I, know, no. I know guys in our industry, there's 100 earthwork companies in Dallas. I'll yeah. tell you right now, probably 10 of them are good. I want you to bid my next job. Yeah. That's another thing too, is like, if we went through the trenches on another job together, like I need you, I yeah. want you to go. Your your success is mine, plain and simple. I, I don't I don't exist. I don't have a job without you guys. Yeah. Right. So we had we on the general contractor side, especially the superintendent side, because we're the ones 
we're selling the work. I mean, if you think about it, you know, Robert, right? He's your superintendent. Robert's seeing the client way more often than you are. He's the face of the company. And I'm sure you view it that way. So we as superintendents have to get better. We're selling the company not only to the owners, we're selling it to the trades. Because I'm sure you guys have run into this. Of You try to get a bid estimate. Who's the superintendent PM on the job? Oh, so-and-so? No, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sending you a number or I'm going to price myself out of the job. And it re- it happens. And that's one individual that just made your entire company look bad. And he's probably the bad apple. I'm not saying every GC, you know, not every GC is bad out there, right? There's good people, there's bad people, there's good teams and bad teams. But we have to think ahead of time about the relationships between us and the trades, mm-hmm. not just us and the customer. It's gotten so bad over the last couple of years that we actually put in our contract now, if we get a job with a GC, we actually by name put the person's name in the contract that they will not be allowed on the job wow or we will pull off it's that bad it's like the john tax right like you're gonna raise (laughs) the amount because of this guy and seriously i've had them call me back and they're like i can't guarantee that i'm like get somebody else yeah and they're like well what do you i'm like dude that dude's toxic yeah like i'm being straight up with you i've told you this repeatedly the last three jobs we've done with the guy we've always had problems with him and miraculously, all the other jobs we do for you with all your other superintendents and project managers, we don't have an issue. Yeah. So who's at fault? Is it us or them? I think, and I'm not trying to speak for all the trades, but I think sometimes you guys get scared, maybe not you personally, but you get scared to bring these things up to the GC. Like sometimes our leadership needs to hear that. Yeah. Like, hey man, this guy's really screwing it up. He's screwing your name up, especially you know, small businesses like you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to hear this because this is you putting food on the table. Mm-hmm. And if people don't want to work with you anymore, you're, you're gone in five years, you're, you're done. And because of that one guy that screwed it up. So I don't want that all like my success hinging on this guy. That's just kind of, you know, a wacko and going out and doing his own thing. So, yeah, I mean, man, relationships or trade that, partnerships and that's the most important thing. That's the thing, though. Like some of these guys have gotten so used to they can just have this bully mentality, and no one checks them on it. Yeah. And I mean, I won't even lie to you guys. I mean, I called shoot what day before yesterday. <laughs> I got in a shouting match with a guy. I didn't care. And he's like, "If you don't get out there tomorrow, I'm putting another trub out there." I said, "That's cool. You'll hear from my lawyer too, because it's in my contract." And yeah. by the way, you didn't send a 48-hour notice, so I got you on that one. I said, "Secondly." It's actually illegal to do that. You actually have to give me a notice, and then you have to tell send me a termination notice. And you didn't do either one of those. That's a guy that's not educated on yeah. contracts. And he's like, what are you, and he's, excuse me, beep lawyer? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, but where'd you go get your construction science degree at? He got real quiet, and I was like, oh, you don't have a construction science degree? Oh, yeah, I got a construction science degree. I was like, okay, my, you should know this then. That's basic 101. They teach you contracts in that school. I know yeah. they do. I think- and I know I'm making a really broad statement, but I think a lot of this boils down to just bad leadership. Ego. hundred percent ego. But it's still leadership. It's all leadership. Yeah. And yeah. and and you guys have talked about before, like we came up under sometimes the the just thrown wrenches and like those <laughs> types of guys. And we said, I don't want to be like that. No. And that's not how I'm gonna treat my people. And so I I do believe wholeheartedly that our industry is changing for the better. I think guys like us and this generation that are coming up and becoming the leaders of these companies are really making a positive change. And it's this breath of fresh air for the older guys that are still in the industry on the trade side to have general contractors that really give a crap. Like we really care about them genuinely as people. 
I keep going back to your last episode, probably because I, I just finished up before I, I got in here. But one of you guys said about, you know, if, if, if my guys get a boat, I want them all to have a boat. I want them all to have the nice trucks. Like you want that success for your people. Yeah. Nobody wants to keep each other down here. We all want to be successful. I want my customers to be successful because I want another project. Yeah. You know, I want my everyone training. around you is successful. It means you are too. hundred percent. The saddest part though is, is, and I know you say it and you mean it. I know you say it and mean it. I know Joe, when he was on set of them, mean it. I heard that line so many times, dude, when I first started up. And those were the first guys that screwed me over on a contract. Yeah. Those were the first ones, dude. And I, and, I, and I don't mean it to sound like a jerk. No, no. But the actions are, send me a fair contract from the start. If I got a red pen every page, come on, dude. Really? There's some clients I have, dude, I can literally scan through it. I might have to add in. They'll forget the water meter that you guys are paying for it or we got two mobilizations on the job. It only requires two. Yeah. You know, any additional, it's this much. You know, it's little stuff like that. I don't have to go through all the fine print because I know it's legit because yeah. I've done seven contracts with them. So we got that out of the way. But when you send me the same one over and over again and I got to fight you tooth and nail for every correction, that starts me off on the bat, right off the bat going, <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yep. So and, glad I won this job. Yeah. And, then, and then you get out on the job and the super doesn't get the right contract with the corrections on it he gets the one that's blank that doesn't have any signatures on it this has happened twice to me by the way yeah i had to drive out to the job because he thought i edited it on my computer so i said no 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 problem i'll bring you the copy of it that i signed in your president's on if we're doing our job yeah and and thankfully my team does this i want to see what you guys got released off of part of that is because yeah i want to know what you owe yeah. What did you buy? But I, I'm not going to ask you to do something that's outside of your scope. That's wrong. Because you guys know, the guys in the field, sometimes they don't know any better. So if you got a guy like me in my position and I'm going, hey, man, I, I want you to cut this in over here, but that's not in your contract, they're going to do it. And then you're calling me screaming or RPM, hey, man, we didn't buy that. Well, shame on me for not knowing your contract. So yeah. we have to do better as superintendents to understand that. I, I've referred to us as like, Kind of like the CEO of the field, right? We're 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 organizing everything and we're pushing everything forward. Well, I have to know every single part and piece of of everybody's contract, what we owe, and just again, it all boils back to relationship. You talked about leadership. It's it's leadership. It's an ego problem and it's a humility problem. That's mm-hmm. that's the problem. Is and and I think it is a generational thing yeah. of the ones that we came up under. Mm-hmm. Is that I'm afraid to be seen that I don't know something. Oh crap! My title superintendent. I have to know everything. Well, some people look at it as weakness and it's not. You know, 100%. Don't be afraid to ask a question if you don't know the answer. The I guys think. that I respect more than anybody in this industry is the guy or girl in their 60s that has been doing this much longer than we have that still is humble enough to say, I don't know. I don't know, but we're going to find out together and we're going to grow together and figure it out. I think the other thing too that you got to think about too, and this is going out to the people that are you know, thinking about starting a company. We've got a man here sitting, guys, that is on, we love you, bro, but You've been on our side of the fence, you know, on the other side now. <laughs> yeah. You're coming back to our side one day, I know. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, it's not a it's not a us versus them. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It should be, hey, we're a team here, and we should work together as a team. Yeah, you play a position in that team. But unfortunately, not everybody plays ball like that. Right. And that's why, guys, I'm going to say this, and I'm sure Scott will agree with me on this, and Devin will as well. Do your homework on people, man. You know, call other trades. Hell, if you're working for a GC and maybe one of the superintendents works there that work for that company, be like, hey, dude, we just got a job with these guys. How are they? Now, 
if they're mad because they got fired because of something stupid, they're going to tell you, you know. But if, if it's a straight shooter, like a guy like Scott, he's going to tell you. He's going to be like, hey, watch out for this guy. Watch out for this. But We do it on uh, to the yeah. trades. Yeah. I call the other superintendents. When I get a new trade on board, you know, I got some older guys that I work with that are superintendents on our side, and I'll call them. Hey, have you worked with this guy? Have you worked with this plumber or mill worker or whomever? What do you think about him? Well, watch out for this guy. Oh, crap. That's the foreman I got on my job. You know, how, but I also want to know how can I help them succeed? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and same thing goes when we maybe hire an employee. We we talked about this. We we know a lot of the other GCs in the area because we we maybe we go to the same networking events or uh, we know them through other trades somehow. I will go to my trades and ask straight up about tell me about this guy or tell me about this company. We hear without dropping names. There's like a few GCs that nobody wants to work for, <laughs> and so you know if if. I got a guy maybe some point in their career that is is looking to maybe move on and, oh, I'm interviewing with this guy. Like, bro, you better run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So word gets around. Construction is, it's it's a big industry, but it's small at the same time. It's a small world. Yeah, man. You make a bad name for yourself and you might be screwed. The problem is you get screwed over by bad people and then it hurts you and it makes you look bad in front of good clients. And you got to explain yourself to the good clients like, why are you so defensive? Well, you got to understand what I just went through. Yep. And if you explain yourself to them, a lot of times they go, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I'm sorry, dude. It's it, like, it's never personal. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I can remember a couple of years ago, I got a phone call from a, a, a superintendent from one of our trades that I, I'd worked with a long time. And I, I was in the middle of something and said, hey, man, I'll call you back. I don't give a crap. He's yelling at me. I'm going, whoa, this is not, uh, this is not okay. I ended up calling him back. He was just frustrated at another GC, right? We're people. It happens. Mm-hmm. But yeah, don't take it personal if somebody, like you said, is, is very sensitive about their change order process, the contract process. They've probably been burned. So, and same thing with the superintendents. When we're asking these questions of the trade, it's not, it's not that I don't trust you to do your job. It's just that I haven't worked with you before maybe. The last guy that I had in your position really screwed me over, and I want to make sure that you're not going to change order me to death. And so building those relationships is just, it's so important. It is, and that's exactly exactly what it boils down to, is mm-hmm. leadership and relationships. It really, yep. real quick, we got about two minutes left, but I'm going to say something to add to what you just said, because it's going to hit a huge point of the few episodes we've just done. It all starts with the estimate. Okay. If that fair. general contractor estimate mater does not know the business and he doesn't call and qualify that bid before a contract goes out because nine times out of ten that estimator knows more than that project manager does that's usually why your estimators are i agree with that they paid a lot more money yep and so <laughs> that's why they're going to call you and they're going to go hey bro did you see this on plan ac2 this note right here did you see that is that included in this bid no okay cool check that he doesn't have it he goes through all four bids and nobody has it. Okay, I need everybody to put an ad in for this. Yep. Okay. The guy that says, oh, man, we really like your number. I'm going to forward this over to our project manager. You're not going to ask me any questions about the qualifications on this bid? No. Okay. And then it always happens, and you know it as well as I do. You get out on the job, and the guy goes, well, you're supposed to dig out that. And it's like, David, no. I didn't buy that. It's not in my contract. Bullshit. And yep. they go look through the contract, and it's not in that. You may change order. And everybody, and it's just that five to ten minutes of awkwardness now that everybody's got to spend going, 
Well, don't price her out to death, man. Don't give her the cold. Yeah, you know, because they can't go back to the owner because right. they told the owner, hey, this is covered this is in the price. price. You yeah. know, we got it. You know, but if you got a design change all day long, we're all going to make money. You know, there, but man, it, those situations like you're talking about mm-hmm. could be so easily resolved. Yes. Internally, as a general contractor, I'm very thankful that my team does it the right way where we have a turnover where we all get together. It's it's the ops leadership. It's me and my team and the estimator. And I want to know my budget. I want to know how much money do I have to spend on cleanup or anything like that. I want to know everything they picked up. Hey, guys, you forgot to add such and such. And so they're getting my input. So, yeah, it, it, again, it boils down to that communication. It's so simple. And everybody's looking for this magic pill to fill or to fix the industry when – People just want to be respected and treated like people, and they just want to be communicated with and not left in the dark. It's just doing the basics better. Yeah, and and it's a shame that when you get the pat on the back, it's because everybody else has set the bar way down here. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of sad, but you're like, oh, you're doing great. I'm just doing my job, man. Yeah. That's it. I think the thing that bothers me the most is, too, when you got people making schedules and they don't consult you about it. We talked about it all yeah. on. You and me talked about it three or four times. I'm on it right now. I'm dealing with it. I've asked them three times, who made your schedule? Who made your schedule? Because it wasn't me. Yeah. I didn't get an email request, nothing. So please tell me who made this schedule. Because I would love to go sit down with him and explain to him what a hundred pounds of of torque, hundred blows on a ten ton hammer does, it moves at three quarters of an inch. That's some pretty hard freaking rock. Dude. Yeah. And you want me to haul 50,000 yards of it? It's going to take two months. Why aren't you done yet? <laughs> That's always that. Why aren't 50, you, Why do you mean my schedule? 55 emails, bro, in the last two weeks. Same question. Jeez. And you know what I send them every time? A picture of Jackhammer. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like. That's guys, the humility. Be real. It's, be realistic here, guys. Like, that's all I'm asking. I'm, I mean, whoever's listening, trade guys, GCs, developers. Just be realistic with people. Let's communicate with each other. That's all we got to do. And stop threatening people. That threatening shit has got to stop, man. Yeah. Dude, find a solution. Don't be like, well, if you're not on site tomorrow, I'm I'm hiring another trade and you're paying out of pocket. We need to do better at sharing our struggles with you too. Yeah. Hey, like, man, when I was on your side of the fence too, I, I learned a really good lesson. I didn't understand why the GC was pushing me for like some information on a certain day. Well, she had her OAC the next day. So she needed my updates on days that I wasn't normally giving them. Mm-hmm. And so when you understand like what we're each dealing with, it makes yeah. it so much easier. And these schedules are, they're a floating target as, as much as we don't want to admit that. Mm-hmm. Not that the end date and milestones are changing. Cause I, I, my management and leadership style is this is the milestone. You tell me how we're going to get there. And so we do pool plans and things like that. That's not going to change. That date has to stay the same. How long you take though, and the order of operations and how we do it, that's up to you. And you need to tell me and how I can support you in that, period. Absolutely. So it's not that, well, my three weeks says this, you're going to do it, tough crap, get over it. Yeah. That's, you're never going to work with that subcontractor again. I don't want anyone listening to this show to have to experience what I've had to experience, what you've had to experience, what he's had to experience. But I'm going to tell you this today. Uh, I made a really big mistake today, something that I don't do. I really lost my cool with a client. Mm. I'm not proud of it. You know, I talk a big game on the show, but I am still professional when I send an email. But I sent a really nasty email today, but it was for three reasons. One, 
they screwed with my pay. That really ticked me off. The second thing was they were really rude to my guys. Hmm. I went out there and talked to them about that. That got put on deaf ears. Yeah, it's not okay. And then the third one was the owner of their company thought he can call me and just talk to me like I'm a five-year-old. Hmm. And so I sent him a really nice email. But I, honestly, at, after the second part happened, I already knew we weren't going to work for him again. So I was just kind of like, you're in Alabama, and they know who they are. Not saying names, but they're in Alabama. <laughs> they're so, going to figure it out. Yeah, good for them. So we're never working for them again. And I can honestly say that, and that's sad to say that, but they do good work. But unfortunately, their management is horrible. Their clients, they have are great. I've had their clients call me and go, are you having problems on that job? Oh, no, no, I'm not having any problems on the job. I'm having problems with your leadership that you have on this job. But no, not you. So they've actually, I'm going to leave it at that. But a prime example of a good sub general contractor relationship should be a two-way street yeah. like you and me just talked about like we've talked about this episode guys normally when you're building your company you should be able to sit down with the superintendent and project manager and just talk just the way we did and laugh and cut up and have a good job you want to have should. fun you want to have fun. you said it too you just you want to have fun yeah and, and you want to take care of each other like i personally love taking care of my clients when i can take care of them when i can do something to help them out that's when I got that 911 that happens when a guy don't pay me and I got to make payroll Friday and I call him and I'm like, hey, dude, I know the draw's not due yet, but is there any way you can front me 30 grand off my draw? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I'll do that because he knows I'm going to take care of him. And it's when you take care of each other, that's when you have that relationship. I tell my guys this all the time and I'll shut up in just a second, but it's so true. I'll take the guy that's up my ass all day long and driving my guys and pissing me off to the high end, but he pays his bills. I'll take that guy all day. But the guy that's cool as shit, and he's friendly as hell, and then he drags me out for 90 days, yeah, can't stand that guy. Yeah. I'll take the guy that's literally sending me 50 emails a day. Dude, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell? Hey, your check's ready, bet. Yep. I'll take that guy all day. <laughs> I mean, it, a lot, and a lot of people don't want to deal with that, but it's like, that guy pays his bills. That works. It works on our side too. Is yeah. that my favorite trade partners? They might not be the nicest guys, but they're pushing us. Yeah. My favorite trade partners push back on us that, hey, man, you need to get this other guy out of the way. All right, let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. When I'm having to drag these guys along the finish line, that it makes just all of our lives worse and it's difficult. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is, is when you can, when you can communicate effectively with each other. That's when you have the best time. Yeah. But when your guys are out in the field explaining everything to the project, to the superintendent, but it's not getting back to the office. And it's like, I know my guys went in this show this morning, sat down with them, explained to them what they're going to hand off to them tomorrow. And you don't know that. Yeah. Well, I need you to send me a drawing. Your superintendent and my superintendent just literally took a sticky note or took a Sharpie, filled it in, could have took a picture and sent it to you. Like, what do you want, dude? Yeah. I mean, it's like, Anyways, we're getting off topic. Sorry. <laughs> Ending on a high note, are we? Or? No, we're we're, we're going to end on a high note. I just wanted to say thank you for coming on, Scott. Yeah, I, and, man, I uh, appreciate it. I really, really enjoy your show, dude. And we need to give him a lot of support, guys. He's got an awesome show. He's got an awesome mission. And you're on Spotify. I'm iTunes. everywhere. You're on everything, right? <laughs> YouTube. Yeah, I'm all, all the major distribution yeah. lists or whatnot, whatever you call them. But yeah. So we're going to definitely try to have you back on. And you can see my goofy face on YouTube now. Too. Yeah, you know, we're gonna definitely have you famous back. now. Yeah, oh, definitely yeah. have you back on. Yeah, 
Very cool. I'd love to be back. Man, I, I and same to you. I really appreciate this. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you for being patient and trying to set this up. So. Yeah, for sure, dude. And hopefully one day we can come check out your place. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't do video though, because it's not it's not pretty where I record. <laughs> it's all good, dude. We don't care. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thanks for watching. If you would give us our five stars on Spotify, leave us a review on Apple, if you would. Just a one word thing. I don't care if it says great or Brandon's breath stinks. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> if it's that bad, yeah, they can yeah, smell yeah. through the mic, man. That's the problems, bro. <laughs> and then uh, also uh, check out our Patreon. Our Patreon is a support to support the show, help us get gear and bring people on the show. And also eventually we're hoping to start donating some money to charities and stuff like that. And uh, definitely going to try and donate to you once we start getting some funds coming in. Sweet. And uh, help, you out on, help you out with your stuff. And Anyways, guys, check out our Patreon. Give us like, subscribe on YouTube. And uh, our next episode we are working on right now, and that'll be mostly about mechanical work. We're going to do a mechanic episode, so nice. it'll be about turning wrenches and stuff. Oof. So Bring on the grease monkeys. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a grease monkey on the show. I'm working nice. on it right now. So he actually has his own podcast as well. So we're going to have another podcast. Wow. So, yeah. Hey, well, well we got to stop flooding the market, guys. We need to. I know. We're try I'm trying to spread the wealth here, but, you know. <laughs> so anyways, guys, thanks for watching. Devin? Like, share, subscribe. Shout it out, man. And we'll, watching. and we'll see you all next time. Stay classy and uh, <laughs> stay humble. You've been listening to the On Grade Podcast. If you're wanting to get into the business, grow your business, or learn more about the trades of construction, this is your hub. Brandon and Devin both own excavation companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And on each show, you'll hear from the business owners and leaders that make the industry tick. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at on underscore grade TX. On Facebook at on grade podcast. On YouTube at on grade 5384. And find the show on Spotify and Apple. See you next time on the on grade podcast.